Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 509, with Rob Huddleston of Snag Work. It's really about the best matching opportunity possible to put the, the workers in a position where they will be the most successful 99% of the time and therefore relay that success forward to the business. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Rob Huddleston. Rob, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I don't know about today. I think most <laughs> of the time I'd like to think I'm unstoppable. Well, by the end of this interview, you'll be feeling unstoppable. I promise at, you at that. At four o'clock on a Monday <laughs> afternoon, I'm, I'm feeling pretty unstoppable Thus far in the week. Considering all things. (laughs) So real quick, prior to joining Snag, Rob Huddleston spent nine plus years leading digital product design for Capital One. Today, Huddleston is the head of design and user experience for Snag's innovation lab. For the past two years, his team has been working on solving the epidemic that is our labor shortage. And I can't wait to dive into today's conversation, Um, especially, you know, I talked to, I've spoken to now over... 500 restaurateurs and I would say at least 90% of them when I ask them the question, uh, what is your biggest challenge? They say finding people, finding staff, hiring. It's, it's a problem. It's a real challenge out there. And we're going to dive into maybe one of the solutions to tackle this issue. But first let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success, <laughs> a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Um, man, you are putting me on the spot already. Yeah. So I, <laughs> that's how I roll. Get used to it. I'm, I'm going to have to, I have no choice. So uh, the way I like to roll is, uh, you know, I, I, I like to break the rules, but I like to do so with purpose, mm. you know? So I, I don't typically like to, you know, if I ask a question like why I, I don't like to hear an answer because that's the way it's done. Um, you know, it's not that there's always a better way or a different way, but I, I always want to challenge the the norm and I always want to be thoughtful in when and how and where to break break those rules. And, and the goal is really just to to explore. Breaking yeah. rules with yep. intention. Dude. Yeah. I love it. That's a great way to get this thing started. And I think it's that mentality. I mean, even like Danny Meyer mentions it in his book of like whoever said that this was the way to do things like rules, systems, processes, procedures are important. They, they make us run efficiently, but at the end of the day, we should be encouraging our people to challenge the status quo, to make things better. You have a solution. You have an idea to do this better, challenge it, break it. Let's make it better. Uh, so that's a great mentality, man. A great yeah, way I to mean, get this thing started. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I don't typically like to be overly comfortable. You know, I think, I think like you said, process is great. You know, there's, 
there's a reason and a rationale for it. But at some point, you just become very comfortable with the status quo. And if you're not willing to, to challenge that or to break those rules, then there's never... Yeah. Anything new coming and growth comes in discomfort. Absolutely. Beautiful stuff, man. All right. So before we kind of dive in really to today's topic, which is, um, this labor shortage, what you believe the solution is in snag work. Let's kind of set the listeners up with, uh, the history of snag, who you are, uh, what makes, uh, you an authority on the topic. So bring it to, you know, snag, what is snag? Who is snag? So snag started or began, um, almost 20 years ago as a, job board for lack of a better way of describing it. Um, formerly known as snag a job. The company just recently went through a rebranding effort. Um, but I, I guess the story that we're all told, you know, it's a, it's a really great one. And again, it kind of, it kind of summarizes what we do as a company and why we do. And that's, that's for, for the people, um, more than anything else, meaning the job seekers. So, um, as the story goes, our founder, um, who was either on his way to a successful legal career or perhaps already, practicing law. Um, after speaking with a friend who was looking for a job and for work and could not find any sort of help, um, online, you know, early days of the, the internet, I guess. Um, and this struck him as just an odd concept that you couldn't search online for jobs and find them. So, um, created snag a job and, you know, again, very scrappy startup company. Um, over the last 20 years, it's grown to become, you know, now what we call snag, but you know, more importantly, it's the number one marketplace for hourly specific job searches and, um, supporting both job seekers and business customers alike. Okay. Um, and I hope guys, I did that well. You, you I hope did I did well. I hope I did that. Uh, but you've also, you know, ex- the company has expanded over the years. I know, uh, over the past four and a half years, I've been recording this people matter or people, yep. people matters, right. Is it was the company, uh, they've been recommended a bunch of times. You've recently acquired uh, people's matters people. I don't know why I'm struggling. People matters. People matter. People matter. People matter. Thank yeah, you. You're you're just, I was you're just going to let you, I was going to let you make suffer a fool with out it for of a minute, Now you're good. You're good. Uh, you guys acquired people matter in, so you're expanding the, the scope of what you do because they were Absolutely. more of like HR onboarding, uh, that sort of, I thing? think the technical term is talent management systems, but, but yeah, more so for large enterprise scale customers. So you um, started as this way to find a job, but now we are more than that. So what today, what does snag do? So I think what snag does and is really what sets it apart from, from other competitors or other, other job search engines and, um, products really is, is that it has an end to end portfolio experience, you know, um, as an employer or business owner, you, you have tools and software that can uh, maximize or your recruiting efforts, um, your talent management efforts. Um, posting of jobs and then, you know, all the way from posting to hiring. And then the the counter or the vice versa is on the, the job seeker side. I can set up a profile. I can search for work. I can apply to work. I, I then, you know, puts me in a position to, to get a job with any one of these business customers. So talent manage is a, an expression I've never heard before. So what do you mean? I had by not that? heard it until I started working. Here. <laughs> so what is talent also, manage? Also, um, so talent management is, you know, it's everything from what I've, come to learn, especially through the the work that we're currently doing, it's, you know, someone, a job seeker hits an apply button. Um, what happens after that application is submitted? It goes into a system of record. It's, it's then, you know, there's, there could be as in our case, qualifications and decisions being made to whether or not you want to interview that person. Um, it could be inviting or scheduling an interview. It then could be passing the interview to the higher phase 
of, of the, of the sequence. Um, but it's really about manage, managing every aspect of, you know, once that application comes in all the way through hiring and onboarding. It's just a system my, for integrating these people absolutely. into your business, yep. um, which is something that we need. We should do this in our businesses to keep things structured. Um, I think it'd be really cool to get somebody from that department on the show to, to tell us how to do that. Right. Not necessarily. I think I know some people. Yeah. Think, you know, I, I think that'd be a really great up. lesson. Uh, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, we're here to talk about snag work, but before we dive into snag work, we kind of learn more about what's who snag is, but who are you? Um, so I, beyond the intro that I already gave. Yeah, yeah, no. So that was, you know, I mean that, that's the short story that summarizes it pretty well. So I'm a long time, um, designer, you know, started out as a, as a web designer, designing websites, moved into, you know, native apps and mobile as that, um, became a thing. It, it's, it drives, I find it really crazy. I, I work around people who are so much younger than me and have for, for quite a while. Um, to think that I'm sitting next to someone who doesn't remember a day when the mobile phone wasn't a thing or, you know, <laughs> iPhone wasn't a thing. Right. Um, it really eye opening, but it, you know, different, different story there. But, um, so I've spent a long time, you know, thinking about really complex problems and how to simplify them through design and through, you know, user experience, man, um, you're what a man for the job, a real complex problem and how to simplify them. Yeah. You got a complex problem in front of you today. My yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, another, another piece of this puzzle that I'm sure we'll get into is, is that as, so I've been married for 17, 17 years, crazy. Um, and my wife has been a lifelong since she was 14 years old, um, restaurant worker. And as many restaurant workers um, get to a point where they're managing locations or multiple locations and they, they just get to this place where they want to open their own restaurant. So um, try to support her as best I can helped her, you know, open up a restaurant here locally. So she now has two locations, uh, two restaurant locations or concepts here in Richmond. Um, shameless plug one, the mill on MacArthur and the other, the Liberty <laughs> public away. house. Um, so, you know, she runs these restaurants, but as I was working at capital one, um, and these restaurants were opening, you know, she would come home daily with, you know, challenges or complaints or problems. Um, people not showing up for, for a shift or trading shifts and she wasn't aware or just general hiring, um, issues, not enough people, not enough applicants, people who were being hired, weren't staying very long. Um, and as you know, I hear this from her and a lot of my friends just from college all the way, you know, to today, um, have been restaurant workers. I think it's a very common, you know, job for anyone in college, whether it's waiting tables or working in the kitchen or, or, um, bartending, you know, so I know so many people in the restaurant world just through my, my friends and my circle. Um, this was not something that was uncommon. I was hearing this from all of them. So I was, I was in a fortunate position to pick up some, just some freelance consulting work, um, by snag a job at the time snag now, um, where I was, you know, thinking through some, some ideas with a few product owners and, you know, head of product at the time. And we really started to think about, you know, how could we, how could we make finding a job more like a social experience, meaning social app, like a, you know, a LinkedIn, a Facebook, what have you. Um, we then started to really think about concepts like Uber, who was really just at the time becoming a household name. This is, you know, three years ago. Um, maybe even four. Um, so we really started to think like, how could, what's the future of work looking like? Yeah. How could, how could an on-demand service where, you know, 
thinking Uber, how could we create the Uber for hourly work? And that was a really compelling kind of question or, you know, even argument that we were trying to make, like, is this thing possible? How could we do this? Um, and I think just from, so for me, it was drawing from what I was hearing from my friends and hearing from my wife on a daily basis is kind of the, the fuel behind some of the thought. And I think that concept just really got snag a job, uh, the leadership, the executive at snag really excited. Also, I think, uh, I, I know that they were also looking at companies like Uber and thinking about the gig economy and on demand, yes. um, at that time. So it was really just, I think the right people in the right room, having the right conversation at the right time. But I think we all got very excited. And then luckily for me, that became a job opportunity. Yeah. I was able to, you know, snag wanted to think about innovation and think about the future of work and, um, create a, you know, a skunk work team who could think about not the, the BAU or the core products that exist today, but how could we get, what's the next thing that we could do? So we started this innovation lab with just three of us, you know, ahead of design myself, um, product and, and engineering. And we just started to do research and kind of explore, you know, what is the gig economy? How might it apply to different industries, not just, um, shipping, whether shipping in Uber's case is people or food or um, other products, physical products, you know, packages. So we started to put that mindset to the hourly job search and, and how, how could that benefit workers and job seekers? How could it benefit businesses? Um, and it really, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a difficult answer. You know, it's not really as complicated in theory. It's not as complicated as it actually is. Meaning, yeah. Meaning workers, you know, today, whether it's due to, you know, any number of reasons, I'm a student, I have a job or I have a school schedule commitment. It changes every few, every few months. Um, I have a day job, but I don't get enough hours. So mm -hmm. I need to go find a second or even a third job. I, I need, uh, I'm a, I'm a parent and you know, my kids are, either at an age where they're gone all weekend or they're at an age where they're at school all day. How can I make extra income? Yeah. You know, it's all about scheduling. It's all about flexibility. Um, so a sense of autonomy, a sense of self governance that like, I can do. Like sometimes we get a job and we feel like we're like a, a victim of it. Like it owns my life. It has yeah. control of me. I don't like, there's other things I'd rather be doing. Uh, I mean, there's so many benefits to the gig economy of the sense of giving freedom back to the worker. Yes. So that's, that's for the workers. That's exactly what we focused on. Flexibility, freedom. Um, we even started to think of it as just owning my opportunity, not being, you know, not being a, um, I forget. How did you put it? Not, not even, not being like owned by the job, but actually owning my job yeah. and the opportunity there. Therefore, um, on the, on the business side, you know, it's all those, it's, it's all the same challenges that I was hearing about every day. It's, you know, staff either calling out sick, not showing up. It's beyond that. Um, you know, seasonal surges yeah. that people are hiring for, you know, whether it's a, a weekend holiday or, you know, Q4, which is, you know, seasonal holiday for, or seasonal hiring for, for Christmas and other holiday events. So um, what we started to learn too is that flexibility, while it is the thing that the workers want, we could actually present that to our businesses in a way to articulate what they need also. So they need a flexible solution. Um, what we're offering them actually, you know, they, in all, you know, it's, it's tense and purposes, I guess, they don't need to, 
sort through um, applications and interviews anymore. They, if they have a trusted service, and I, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, but you know, very much want to focus on that trusted service, um, they can you know, trust that we will send them workers that can do the jobs yeah. that they can count on to show up when they need them. I get like questions like rifling through my and head that, right now, and, dude. And flexibility is also, you know, for the, for those managers, you know, the, the opportunities to spend less time with all these recruiting needs for the one-off um, scheduling issues or hiring issues, but to get back to what they're hired to do, which is manage the business and, and have that business operate in, at a, at a high caliber. Um, I can't tell you how many stories I heard from our research talking to restaurant managers who were, you know, bribing their staff, right. you know, creating there's, a, there's a real problem out there. Let's just get out and say, yeah, yeah. like one of the things we we're talking about during the pre-interview chat when we're getting to know each other, uh, you know, the reason why we're here, the, I, I'm in town, I'm in Richmond. I heard about snag job or, sna- or sorry, snag work. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, like that's brilliant. And there's and a lot of people out there we talk about the issue with uh, the labor shortage, the, the quote unquote labor shortage. Uh, a lot of other consultants will say there isn't an issue with there being enough good people out there. There's an issue with you, your restaurant attracting onto yourself to good people. I think there's a level of truth to that, but I also interviewed the most successful restaurant tours in every city and even they're struggling. So oh, for that, sure. So that says something. Um, and I, I believe that there isn't a shortage of people. I think the hiring pool hasn't, hasn't changed. What's changing is an incredible epidemic surplus amount of restaurants. So absolutely. You agree. get these, these people that are drawing from the same hiring pool, but now you have 10 times as many more people and not only are there more restaurants, but there's more high caliber restaurants yeah. that need more skilled people. Um, and increasingly we don't like, we're not cutting corners. Like the, the, the restaurants that are doing the best are the restaurants that are doing scratch foods, like slow food. Cause that's what the, the public wants. Yep. So you have an increase of, or an, an increased demand of skilled workers and an increased demand per restaurant and an increase of restaurants in general. Yeah. And I think that uh, yes. And that even expands beyond, other restaurant types. So you're about more the, the full service type of restaurant. So even thinking about quick serve, you know, what we used to call fast food, I guess, but, um, you know, the younger kind of more, um, quality focused and culture focused brands, you know, the Chipotle's and, um, I'm trying to think of a couple others, you know, even like five guys and, um, who else is, is on the, well, there's so many five guys, uh, like they're, I think more, I mean, maybe I would say, I don't know, in the sense that you make your own burger, Chipotle's is more like a, a fast, casual five guys, fast, is, casual five. Right. Yeah. So, but I guess the point I want to make is, it's, you know, there's, there's so many choices for job seekers, you know, um, you know, do I go work at this restaurant or this restaurant? And a lot of the decision making for that worker is really going to be the reputation, the culture, and, and, you know, the brand value, you know, there's all these other components that go into making that decision. So when you say it brand value, be, you're talking psychographics. What does it say about me associated work, yeah, working absolutely, at this absolutely. place? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I guess I want to be careful uh, the way I, th- I frame it up, but it's the difference, you know, between like, if I have two choices and one is McDonald's or five guys, which choice do I make? You're going to go with the cool one. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, people want to be associated with cool brands, whether they're eating there or they're working there. They want to be on the cool team. Like totally. I think it's that simple. We, we try to overcomplicate it at the end of the day. The people that are going to win the employees are the people, the, the organizations that are perceived by the public as being cool. Cause 
if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we just want to associate and belong to something. Yep. Um, yep. And the cooler that something is, the cooler that says we are, and that's really it's that simple, but that hard to be the coolest in town. Absolutely. But I think what's I think what's really driving those cool brands are is their focus on quality and and culture, right? I mean that's that's yeah. I think from an from an employee perspective, at least what we're hearing based on the work that we're doing, it's. You know, that's, that's a key component to making a decision. It's, you know, it's, how are they going to treat me? What, what sort of team am I going to be a part of? You know, again, to your point, what does it say about me to be part of this team? Yes. Um, and just recently to, to kind of compound off that statement, you just said, just spoke to Mike Ganino, uh, well-known culture guy in the industry. And, uh, he wrote, uh, company culture for dummies, uh, which, which just came out a great book, by the way. And in that conversation we had around company culture, we basically agreed and distilled that at the end of the day, the most, what, what culture is all about is, is about relationships and how, how, how much you show your people you're there for them yep. and how much, the more you care for them, the more you do to show them, you care that you're there for them and the more they're going to give you. Um, and it sounds like with a, a tool like snag work, you're giving them that flexibility of having like that gig economy that have that freedom that of when they work, how they work, where they work. Uh, and if you're the best place to work, guess what? There's gonna be more people lining up to take on roles at your restaurant and you're going to attract Absolutely. and you get to choose which ones you probably let work for you. I don't know how it works. Maybe we can kind of, yeah, get we to, can get into that. I guess I should have taken a step back and actually answered your earlier question. Of, I forgot as what to it was what, <laughs> as to what snag work is. So snag work is, it's an on-demand marketplace for hourly jobs, um, but it's focused at the shift level. It's and Uber for the hourly very much restaurant is, worker. It's hourly restaurant, but it's also retail and hospitality. Okay. So we've we've kind of grown um, very naturally here in Richmond, our first our first city. Um, we focus very much on restaurants to get started at first. Um, we then started to realize that restaurant workers. Um, while what you and I talked about earlier, you know, are very much, uh, you know, restaurant culture is very unique in in of itself for a lot of different reasons. But restaurant workers are adaptable and can do just about anything. It the 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 opposite of that is not true. Meaning, retail workers can't be great, you know, kitchen workers or front of house workers. However, a lot of times, front of house workers can go do just about anything at a retail store very easily. They're just incredibly adaptable. Um, now that being said, but so what we what we did was we started to to have as we were growing, word of mouth was taking off in the business community. Um, we were getting a ton of referrals. Those referrals started to just because of the way Richmond works and some of the shopping districts. Um, once we had uh, you know signed on five or six restaurants within a small community, it was only natural that the you know the retail store next door to the restaurant heard about us and started asking questions. And, you know, as, as they start asking questions, that was also an opportunity for us to start asking mm-hmm. the same question, you know, I don't know, will it work? Let's try it. So yeah. we, we, we partner um, with each and every business right now to really understand what they need and to make sure that we introduce only roles and positions into those stores, whether it's retail, hospitality or restaurants that we know we can be successful at and we know our workers can be successful, which then drives the success at the restaurant and then, or the business or the, you know, the, the hotel or what have you. Um, but then we also start to introduce and what we see is introduction of other positions. Uh, we, we never imagined that we would have, um, back of the house, you know, prep cooks as an example. However, someone going in and it's a, it's the way the restaurant, the back of the house restaurant 
world is set up today. Someone starts out as a dishwasher after they're there for a couple months, a couple weeks, um, they're trusted, you know, Hey, help me prep X, Y, and Z. Um, so we started seeing that happen in the back of the house with our dishwashers. And so we just Your snagged our snag work. Yep. Yeah. Our snaggers, we call them. Um, so we, we started seeing them evolve and build those relationships that you're talking about, just as any other team member would. Um, our workers were becoming such a vital, so quickly becoming such a vital part of our restaurant's um, staff that they weren't seen any differently. They weren't treated any differently, which was a real eye-opening thing for us and I think for the managers and businesses using us. I don't think they expected our worker quality to be so high or the adaptability to be so high or... Um, the attention to detail that we have in making sure that our workers and our businesses have a positive experience to be so high. Um, so a lot of the partnerships that we have, they're willing to, you know, at least in the early days and, and still, but they're, they're willing to kind of grow with us and being, you know, so focused on making it work in Richmond, we were going above and beyond in every possible way, you know, very much creating white glove services, um, but we really created the sense of this is something brand new. No one else is doing this. The businesses latched onto that. Like, you mean we can be the first in Richmond or the East Coast or Virginia or whatever it might be? Um, well, let us let us help you make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're always giving us feedback. The workers, the same thing. They just feel part of a community that they're the first to really be doing something. And it just makes it that much better for so everyone. So what are some of the biggest uh, hurdles you're hitting with this challenge of trying to create this uh, gig economy platform for the restaurant worker because no two restaurants are exactly the same. Like with Uber, for example, there's a common way to drive a car no matter what state city you're in. There's, there's, you know, we go through school, there's standards in every city you're in. So you can get in a car and and know what you're doing, but a restaurant is not standard across the boards. So how do you create something that is very standardized in nature and then a put it across a bunch of operations that are no way standard. So a lot of trial and error in the early days. What we found was that there are, while the restaurants and the concepts and the menus and the, some of the, you know, the ingredients may be fundamentally different. The core responsibilities are very much the same. Um, especially, you know, when you think about those, uh, I don't like to call them entry level positions cause I think they're, they're much more than that. But if you think about positions like dishwashers and host and hostess and barbacks, um, these are more of the, the roles that they're the first timer roles maybe, but they're the roles that can easily evolve into other positions. Um, you know, like we were just talking about the dishwasher can become the prep cook can become the back of line cook or the line cook. Um, the host or hostess can become the bar back can become the bartender or, or the wait staff. So these, these are the, the kind of the core roles that we start with. And then each location, um, has the opportunity to cross train as they start to build a rapport with the workers. Um, we do have a concept that's very much like favoriting. I, as a manager can favorite you as a worker, I can then, after I have, you know, five, 10, however many I feel comfortable with, I can only invite those workers to come work at my location. I start to incorporate them into my schedule. We've seen that, which again, just another of many surprises, um, about three to four months into our market launch, we started having kitchen managers call us and say, Hey, you know what? I've lost another dishwasher. I'm just not going to hire dishwashers anymore because you guys 99% of the time deliver a dishwasher and I know I can trust them. So we started to see this whole mental shift um, and operational shift where some restaurants were even 
phasing out positions that they were recruiting and hiring for because they didn't see a need. So our restaurant that might request, you know, two shifts a week was now requesting two a day. Okay. You know, and it was just, what's that process even look like if I'm a restaurant and I want to, uh, get somebody lined up to work on my, in my restaurant for a shift, how, how does that look like if I, or if I'm the employee who wants to pick up a shift, do I, I make a profile for myself? Is yeah, there a yeah. background check? Like how- Great question. So let, I'll run you as quickly as possible through the whole process. So we take the hiring and recruiting of our workers like very seriously. We know without the quality workers, the workers that have the skill set and personality traits to, um, to, to deliver to, and by deliver, I mean simply I say, I'm going to show up on a day and time. I do show up on a day and time. I show up and I do what's, tasked out in front of me, what I'm being asked to do. And I do it the best I I can. I represent myself. I represent snag work and I, I represent the business that I'm, I'm working in. Um, so we have a very traditional, I apply, um, those applications are, we have a series of qualifications in the application itself. So, you know, it's, it's pass fail based on certain, uh, requirements or work history or skill sets, nothing overly complex. Um, can you give me some of the examples of like the qualifying factors? Like so the, some of the, the very ones? basic ones could be I'm over 18 years of age. I have a checking account and access to the internet. Okay. Um, so very fundamental, like basic, you know, and the reason for those specifically are we are app based. We are web app based. Currently we also are launching our native app this week. Um, but we do direct deposit into, you know, after every shift. So it's so no, just it's, like Uber. So I have no yeah. problem. I think a lot of people that listen to the show know that like I, I Ubered early on uh, and from time to time to this day, getting this podcast off the ground and sure. it's like the, the gig it's, it's literally instantaneous. Like you punch out and you cash out and there's yep. money. And so that was really important to us from the very beginning. We, we understood and understand that we are asking workers with sometimes several days notice, sometime only a few hours notice or even an hour notice. Um, we are asking them to drop what they're doing and to go work a shift. Now they have total control. They claim which shifts they work. Um, we don't force that on any worker. We don't assign workers. It's simply the worker gets a text notification that you at restaurant X need someone for a certain position, you know, tomorrow from noon to 8 PM. I can then choose whether or not to claim that or not. And it's a first come first serve um, service. But again, we take that quality of worker very seriously so that you, the business, can trust that whoever's walking into your door for the first time can deliver. Um, And I forget where that question started. But so, you know, it is very much it was fundamentally important to us that we are asking for them to, to drop what they're doing with moments notice. Go, go deliver, go work. We wanted to repay that by paying them in the same fashion. So we pay. Typically within two business days, it, the earlier concept we were paying within just a few minutes, but we were using like PayPal and Venmo. It was very, okay. you know, not scalable. Um, now we have a process where we're using Stripe as our payment provider. They are processing payments on our behalf and those payments are in your bank account within two business days. A lot of times it's the very next morning. So one question I do have. So if yeah. I'm the restaurant owner, do I have a, is there a monthly fee for me to have access to this? Great pool? question again. Um, yeah, so no, it's a zero for us. It's a $0 commitment. We only charge businesses when they use us. So there's no, there's no subscription. There's no like twisting of a business arm to say you must request 10 shifts a week or a month or what have you. Um, it's a very simple process. We want you to trust that when you use us, it works. Um, we feel like it, 
works well enough that once you realize that that's again the mindset starts to shift and you start to think creatively about how as a restaurant manager can i use us more um so that's been really exciting too but but no it's it's simply we bill an hourly rate that our each position you know we do our research in market so we're now in richmond and washington dc area we we do our research to understand you know dishwashers get paid x on average we pay slightly higher. We want, again, a benefit for our workers. It might be 50 cents. It might be a dollar more an hour, depending on the market. Um, the businesses pay that rate that they agree to um, in advance. That's part of the negotiation process or the contract process. They agree to that rate, and then there's a percentage um, service fee on top, which is very minimal. So what we've been able to, to learn, and let's just I'm just using round numbers, if there's a $10 an hour employee... After the business pays for payroll expenses, um, benefits, potentially workman's comp, other insurances, the time the manager spends recruiting and interviewing and training and yada, yada, that $10 hour position all in is probably 13 or $14 an hour. And we're beating that by two or $3 a lot. Okay. I've got a few more questions, but we got to take a break to thank our sponsor. All right. I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated 40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com restaurants unstoppable and you will get at three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there so another question i have i know with like gig economy things like like uber for example we keep on going back to uber because i'm familiar with it um it's an easy one to go to that um that person who drives for uber is self-employed yep so what are the savings in that regard for the restaurant owner? Cause now they're not employing this person there. It's a contract. Yeah. So I'm going to answer that question a little differently than you were probably hoping. So currently our workers are 1099 contract workers. This for since uh, also since the beginning is not the direction that we felt to be best for our workers. Um, it was, however, being an unproven concept, the easiest way for us to go to market um, to learn and to, to evolve. So for the past, you know, we launched in Richmond, uh, spring of 2017. So only a year and a few months ago, um, through the course of that launch and what we've learned and what we've got snag, um, leadership and executives really understanding and agreeing with us on is that it's not what's best for the the workers and the job seekers. So we are actually... Sorry, can you say that again? Because I got a little confused. Yep, sorry. Let me... So <laughs> what? Uh, the, the point I want to make is that we are actually moving towards a W-2 model. Okay. So we will not be, in the very near future, um, 
I don't want to give a timeline, but before the end of the year, we will, our, our workers, our snaggers will be W2 employees. So they're going to be employed by the restaurant. They, so they will gonna... be, no, no, no. They will be employed by us. Oh, they okay. will be snag work employees. Okay. Um, that is for the sake of their well-being, kind of their benefit. Um, and do you, you know, I'm assuming you also provide benefits and things of that nature too. So that's part of what we're what we're going through research and kind of counsel with now is is understanding um, what is the equivalent in a in a gig economy context to benefits to paid time off. You know, so it could be the example could be. Um, let's just say at a 40 hour work week after X number of hours that equates to a day off, we may simply turn a day off into a bonus. Okay. You've worked X number of hours picking up however many shifts, um, you've now triggered a bonus that you can have access to. And it, it might be equivalent of one day's worth of work. So it's like, un- like unlocking, like, a unlocking like, a, like a medal or something right. like I achieved this like achievements within the app. Absolutely. That's so cool. as based on behaviors and activities, so, you know, it could be, I've worked, X number of hours over however many shifts I now have what equates to a day off bonus. And that's based on, you know, whether it's six or eight hours, whatever your average shift length is. And that's just simply a bonus. And potentially one of the ways we're discussing it is that, that, that bonus, you could save it up almost like a PayPal balance and just draw from it when you need, or it just simply auto pays. We haven't gotten through that yet, but it's some of the concepts we're thinking through. So some of the other questions I have, I wrote these questions down while you were talking. Um, is there going to be a rating system yeah, for so employees there, and for restaurants? So there already is. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's very much, uh, you know, again, just uh, going back to Uber, it's very much, you know, think about the restaurant as the rider, the passenger, um, our snag worker as the driver. So both sides of the marketplace rate one another. Exactly. Um, we do have process. I've got a 4.9 rating on Uber. Nice. By the way. Of course you do. I don't know where that point one came from, but I'm furious. <laughs> um, but, but to that point, our workers take their rating incredibly serious. If it drops even in the slightest, like they don't go necessarily into panic mode, but they're, they're reaching out to us and they're asking, you know, what can I do differently? How can I, how can I, you know, earn that point back or, what is it that they didn't like? So we actually, you know, we do get feedback from both sides. We're in the process of showcasing that feedback to each side. Um, we do feel and we do want the businesses to be as, um, I guess, responsible for the all-inclusive experience as the workers are, meaning well, they're part of the product and the service yeah. too. We don't want to send workers to places where they don't want exactly. to go or where they're mistreated. Well, that's where this question yeah. is going. Um, eventually, I see what I see happening is, well, first, like, the the rep, the restaurants and employees that have the best reputations I'm gonna I'm gonna see maybe a correlation between them pairing absolutely. Up. What if is there a situation where that employee might just stop working for snag work altogether and just get absorbed by that restaurant as a full time employee? Yes, it can happen, and and we've never um, part of our goal always has been like I mentioned earlier to to help people. So if that means that. You want to hire one of our workers. Ultimately, that's what Snag does. It helps you find a job. Yep. So this is yep. just a, a, it's just an a, extension of that. It's just a vehicle to use to find the right job. So you, as a job hunter, can be doing stages all over the industry. You can try it before you buy it. Exactly. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's, uh, for culture fits too. Like our, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's again, and it's huge on both sides. You know, yeah. again, the managers don't have to sort through um, resumes and interviews and have people not show up for those interviews, you know, I, you know they actually can try before they buy. And that's a, an employee model. Oh, sorry. I'm like cutting you off. No, right no, no. Now. I just got really excited. I think it's a really good way to see how you stack up against other businesses. Cause now you can rate yourself. Now you can see 
what is our culture? We started to, you um, it's all relative. You don't know where you stand against other businesses, but now you can get ranked against other businesses. How am I to work for? Yeah. And now, you know, if you're go, if you're getting a three out of five stars to, as an employer, you got a culture issue. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that point up. So we actually started, um, maybe five, six months ago, really recognizing that fact. And we were, you know, one of our other founders, Jason Hamilton, I'll give him a shout out. He was, he was speaking at conferences and events and presenting snag work as the secret shopper for culture because you're getting just completely unfiltered feedback. The data you're getting from and this. The, absolutely. And so what you can see is to your point is I own a business. I have, a, you know, my managers and my staff, maybe I'm having, I don't understand why, you know, shifts aren't being picked up. Oh, well, if I look at the ratings and the feedback, I'm seeing, you know, this manager, this location maybe isn't ranking as high as this other location or one of our competitors who is ranking very high. And you start to, you start to understand that, yeah, maybe I do have a culture issue. Maybe, maybe there's an issue I'm not aware of. So it's really, it's been really interesting for us to learn that. And then to, to give that information back to our business customers to say like, look, think about, you know, again, it works really well when it works well, snag work and having gig players in, in the locations. Um, there have been, uh, you know, I won't, I won't lie about that. There have been customers who have come to us and say, Hey, you guys, like we were doing great. And then suddenly we're only filling two out of five shifts. What's going on? What's going on? And exactly. We, and we put the, put the data back in front of them and we show them patterns and themes. This in the might feedback. sting a little. Yeah. But we have that conversation <laughs> Yeah, and some take it very well and they modify and their, their shift results go right back up. Others, yeah it's not me, it's you guys, you know, and they, they don't take it well and we yeah. lose them as a customer. But by the way, like I said earlier, we don't want to keep sending our workers into places where they're not going to have a positive experience either. Yeah. So, so it goes both ways. One other question I had that I want to make sure we hit on is, uh, is this going to end up standardizing the independent sector of operate or, or even, well, let me, let me backpedal a little bit. Who's using this more? The corporate or the corporate structures or the franchise structures or the independent structures? So all the above. Um, so, uh, you know, again, it's still, it's still early maybe to make any bold declarations, but what we can tell you about Richmond and DC both, excuse me, is that we initially targeted the mom and pops, the, the owners of one or two locations. Um, maybe some of the restaurant groups who might have five or six and maybe of those five or six, there's three or four different concepts. Um, as we learned a lot there, we then started to attract the franchises, attract the enterprise customers as, as we call them in the, the sales world. Um, you know, the corporate run groups, the five guys, um, five guys is a partner with us and they, they've been very successful in Richmond. They helped us launch in DC and, you know, we've got plans They're with based them. out of Washington, right? They are based yeah. out of Northern Virginia. Yeah. So we've got, you know, plans with them and other, other anchor brands, we call them where we can actually have strong partnerships and launch in any and every city that we go to. Um, but yeah, the answer is, is, is all there's, you know, maybe 50% and I'm just kind of making these numbers up off of kind of gut hunch, but maybe 50% all are the, the small businesses, the mom and pops or the small restaurateurs or retail owners. Um, there's, you know, maybe 25, 30% is going to be the, um, kind of corporate owned and then the rest might be franchised, you know? So we do, we are actively having conversations with all of those business types and, and signing, signing them all on. So that's, again, it just goes to the kind of the strength of the concept and the fact that not only a, is there a hiring epidemic and a challenge across all 
all of the country right now. Um, simply because unemployment is low. So it's not just impacting the restaurant space. It's, it's impacting retail and every other business type. Um, but it's, it's just a simple concept that, that makes sense. And I can't tell you how many times we, we hear, Oh, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't someone think of this sooner? You know? So it's, it's those types of moments where we, we really know that we're onto something. And, you know, again, when we see it work and we see the businesses tell their business peers or their other friends, um, who might own a business down the street or in another state, you know, it's, we have them reach out to us now, which is really, it's, it's, we've turned this corner of being this kind of simple startup, this engine that could to now actually having a reputation here locally and starting to build that in DC. Um, I think the next level is how do we build that at a national scale? Yeah. You know, somewhat like, like Uber and others have done now, granted it took, you know, Uber, I believe seven or eight years to get to that level. So we're, I think we're on target to, you know, hopefully get to that level in just a few years. Um, knock on wood, if we continue to have, have the success we're having, but, um, but I mean, that's our goal. That's our long-term goal is to so, be nationwide and, yeah. then, and then worldwide. We're almost ready to wrap up here. One more question that is kind of eating away at me. Um, if I'm an employee that has a five-star rating yep. uh, and I have a bunch of amazing comments on my profile and like I can, like my profile has certain skills that I can do. Is there going to be a certain skill that you can like knife skills or like certain things like a, almost like a resume that yep. you can build up? And if yes, if my skills outweigh other people's skills, can I affect my hourly wage? Yeah. So that's a, that's a concept that we've been discussing for a long time and we're starting to move forward with. It doesn't exist today. Um, what does exist is I, as a worker, uh, going back to that favorites concept, I, as a worker am presenting myself and working to a degree where I'm being favorited by restaurants. And those restaurants are ones who are requesting their favorites first. I'm more likely to get more opportunity. Yeah. Which um, it should be that way. Totally. Now, Concepts that we are working through right now are around skill set, badging, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it is the idea that I can earn, you know, we'll, we'll stick with badging and kind of the, the gaming model. Um, I earn badges for skills. Those skills then transfer across multiple industries or restaurants. Again, whether it's dishwashing or cooking or, or bartending, um, these skills can transfer from one location to the next my profile then gets stronger and stronger and I'm earning points or, um, my rating is where I may get, let's just say, you know, things don't go well. I'm not a culture fit and I get a bad rating at one. I can earn that back through other skills, other locations that I'm getting positive ratings. Um, think about it almost. We we've been talking about it almost in that DMV model of, you know, you can actually have more than a hundred points on your driver's license, you know, so you can have opportunity to, maybe not always have a stellar day, but you've always got an opportunity to, to positively have a yeah. positive impact or rebuild something that. Yeah. You, you know. I mean, I'll be honest. The only thing that kind of doesn't sit right with me with this whole concept is the over standardization to, to be able to have access to a plat, a platform like this. I think it's like you mentioned earlier, like it's good to challenge like, what was the, the exact quote? Like the challenge, the status quo or to sure. What yeah, was that I don't quote? remember the exact quote. It was the, uh, you know, it was, uh, break the rules with intent. Yeah. yeah. So to, you know, I, I would hate to see uh, an industry where it's so standardized to be able to have access to a platform like this, that like we have to, we're just forced back into like rules for every operation again. Yep. Do you see that being uh, a possibility? Um, well, I think anything's a possibility. I hope, I hope that what we're, driving towards is, is not that, Yeah, you know, I think, you know, for us, you know, and I think the, the longer term vision for what we're doing, where we think it will end up is more about 
collecting the data, both on the worker and the business side, even down to the manager location, whether it's ratings and feedback, whether it's earned badges and skills. And really, I like to, you know, one example, we like to think about it almost like a dating site. It's really about the best matching opportunity possible to put the the workers in a position where they will be the most successful 99% of the time and therefore relay that success forward to the business. Yeah. Um, so it's really, I, I mean, that's the easiest way I can, aside from all the gig economy and Uber references, um, where I see it becoming really powerful is thinking about it more like, like a dating site. It's about matching yeah, me to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, based on, based on whatever the criteria would, might be. I'd like to see it go in that direction. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of our vision. You know, I'll, I'll say this before we go to it's, one of the very, you know, design and products are very persona driven. Like what is the, what is the problem you're trying to solve and who are you trying to solve it for? Um, one of the very first persona concepts that we came up with, um, we called it the trout, called them him or her, the traveler. And this was the college student who wanted to, during their summer break, travel from the East coast to the West and back and pick up shifts along the way. Every Dude, state. You're like reading my mind right now and, like, and pay for that adventure. Oh my God. Like that's exactly what I was like the, the, the implement of a young, uh, aspiring, uh, hospitality professional that wants to travel, see the world can literally be a part of this program and have work in, within the system yeah. everywhere. And you just said the magic word it's the world, right? Mm. So imagine I want to do that, but I want to go to Europe Yeah. and granted, you know, we're That's far cool. from there now, but let's just it's say a cool vision though. Let's and just that, say was, five years, seven years, whatever it's going to be from now. That was the last question I had was if I'm, if I live in New Hampshire, can I get a job in California for the summer under, or do I, am I restrict, restricted to a geographic, like some. So that is, it? that is our long-term goal. Okay. Like very, very, you know, fundamentally it is, I can go state to state and pick up a shift at what, wherever. That's incredible. Um, the hope, the future is pretty rad looking. It's, you know, and that's amazing <laughs> and that's exciting. And that's, yeah. that's why we're doing what we're doing now. More specifically right now to answer the question, we are only operating in Richmond, Virginia and Washington, DC. We have our goals of launching in two other cities that I can't really discuss before the end of the year and upwards of 10 or more next year. Um, so we're trying to figure out the best way I'm to just, grow rapidly. I'm going to throw three cities out there. Okay. You can't say yes or no, I, I bet, but I'm just okay. going to guess so we can come back to this conversation Go for it. a year from now. Okay. It's going to be either one of these three cities, New York, Los Angeles, or Chicago. Nope. No? No. Nope. Smaller? Um, none of them. Yeah. So actually, uh, and... It doesn't mean they won't, they're not in our top 10 list. San Francisco? Um, no, actually. So <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're not in our top 10 list, but I'll share this about the way we've been thinking about things too. Um, so with this is the benefit of us having Snag um, have our backs. So we have access to millions of job seekers, millions of businesses and, lo- and locations, many of them restaurants. Um, I think if, I, I might be misquoting, but I think it's over... of the nation's restaurant locations are actually using snag to post jobs and, and hire workers. Um, so we have access to that. So one, one of many things that we're looking at is kind of density of, you know, job seekers, locations, some of these brands that we're working with. Um, there's many things going into the, the strategic plan, but very early on after our very first, very manual kind of initial market concept that we, we worked with one Jersey Mike's owner. He had five locations in Northern Virginia and we did a very manual, like we've got five people for you as you need people call me, I'll call them. I'll send someone like it was again, no technology, very manual. We just wanted to see if the concept could work. 
and it did and it it worked far better than we thought it changed the whole like within just 30 days changed the culture inside the location we were getting feedback that the the customer experience because the restaurants were so much better staffed um, which meant less stress on the staff um, everything operationally was functioning at such a higher caliber that the the experiences were for the customers were positively impacted so um, we came back we actually vcu is a local college campus um I had some connections there with the art school and they let us squat in one of their innovation centers. Um, the three of us, the small team that started the lab. Um, what we were able to do is, as we started taking the learnings from that, that initial pilot, we, we were trying to apply technology and process to it, figure out how can we productize this in, in a, you know, just the best way possible. We also had the, the fortune of looking outside the window at a college campus and saying, okay, well, here at VCU, there's 35,000 students. We've been told by the Career Center that 70% of them need hourly work, part-time job. And on any given block, there's 20 to 30 businesses. Okay, let's start doing some math. Let's look at big cities, where, by the way, there's already competition for some of what we're doing. Um, you know, the Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. Um, do we want to hit five big cities, or do we want to hit five to 20 college campuses across mm. every state. So it was more the Boston's one. Then it was more <laughs> Boston could, could be on that top 10 list. Um, there was, it was more of a Facebook model. You know, the, if we, you've heard the story of Facebook or, you know, seen the movie, it's, it's the campus by campus model. You know, there's more opportunity because there's more campuses per state, um, than cities. than there are large cities, large markets in the U S. So, you know, we've, not to say that we will stay away from those cities. They are on our, our list to hit um, in the very near future, but they're not going to be our top, our next two okay. or three. Um, sorry to give you such a long no. answer, but I wanted, to, I wanted to give some of the context, just the different, no, it's, it's different cool. way of looking. This looking has been at a really insightful, problem. interesting, engaging conversation. I've had a blast talking to you, Rob. Uh, Thank so, you. I have to. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for you know, I'm, I'm so interested, man. Uh, this is really cool stuff. So, uh, if somebody is out there listening to this and they're interested in learning more and they want to stay on top of this opportunity, uh, what, what's the best way to kind of stay up to date with what's happening with snag work and where can we follow you? And, and let's put some contact information. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is snag.work, not the most common known, um, domain, but it's snag, simply www.snag.work. Um, that's our website and you can, you can reach out to us through the website. You can learn more about us through the website, watch some videos. Um, our social channels on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is simply at Snagwork. Beautiful. All one word. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share some information about what's the future of our industry looks like. Um, I wrap up every episode by calling somebody out or having my guest call somebody out. So I'm really interested uh, of some, maybe some, some, some brands out there that are using snag work that maybe could speak to their experience of snag work. Uh, and maybe have like the restaurant tour, the, the, the person behind the brand share their story as a guest mentor. Is there anybody like oh, who's sure. a leader? So you, mean, you mean call out like in a positive, like yeah, let's give good, some thanks and some yeah, shout yeah, yeah. out. No, let's okay. give, like who do you respect and admire in the industry? Maybe somebody who's using snag work. Uh, who, who's a leader that's using snag work that you can call out to be a future guest on the show. Let me put it that way. Um, five guys. I would, I would reach out. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give her full name on, uh, on, on the podcast, but yeah, I can introduce you to Sarah. Who's the head of HR over at five guys. Okay. 
been a great partner. Really exciting. Um, I would even reach out to some of our workers. If you yeah, want the real, the that, real, I, you know, point of view of what do you have no idea that the thoughts and ideas that are running through my brain right yeah. now, dude. Well, just <laughs> let, we'll let me know afterwards. how, yeah, let me know how I can help yeah. make that happen. Cause I think, I think they can, you know, I can talk all day about what we hope to do and what we, how we are doing what we are doing, but you know, they can, they can give you the, the ins and outs of everything that, that yeah. happens, you know? Again, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having you me. It's been in, fun. in Snag and Snag Work and what you guys are doing here. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Rob Huddleston, thank you so much uh, for uh, diving deep into snag work and the the future of the gig economy in the restaurant industry and i think it's really fascinating i'm going to be paying close attention to this uh, i think the three things that are really interesting that i want to point out this idea of um a sense of autonomy people want freedom they they want to have this this i this idea that they have control over their life and they can be self-governing and i think that's one thing that we get with this app we get to choose when we we want to work we don't we're not obligated to go in against our will when we might rather be doing other things. So this app allows that. Uh, the other really cool thing too is the ability to travel anywhere into stage until to learn and to find out what type of restaurant you want to be a part of and, and to educate yourself to, to get this experience all over the place. Uh, I, I think that in, in itself is invaluable uh, and really interesting. I'm excited for that. And the last thing that I think is really worth pointing out is uh, the, the the data that you get from an app like this, where you, not just you as the owner, but you as the employee, you guys get to to, to rate each other and to find out really uh, how well am I doing? Uh, where do I stand against my peers in, in, in my competition? Do I have a three out of five stars for a, a rating on some place to work? I mean, it, it opens up your eyes. It's a reality check. And I think there's a lot of value to that. So really interesting. Again, it's snag work. If I were you guys, I would head over there and get on an email list or at least follow them uh, to find out when this stuff is coming to your market. And one thing I've noticed is that the, the, the people that adopt this kind of technology, the ones that benefit the most from it are the early adopters. So pay attention and really get that foot up uh, on the people that are a little less willing to adapt and evolve. So pay attention to when the suckers come into your city. Uh, I'll have the website in the show notes. Uh, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash snag work to get those links. All right, guys, like always, you can uh, reach out to me, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, Twitter, Instagram, Eric Cacciatore. Let me know how I can make this show better. Let me know who you want to hear from. I'm looking to build this team. So if you have skills, if you have a passion for the hospitality industry, if you want to learn from the best, if you are good with multimedia, and maybe you want to travel the, the country and uh, meet some incredible people, let me know. You already got my email, but I'll say it again, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. The best way to support this podcast is simply by sharing it. So if you know anybody out there aspiring to be great, put this sucker on their radar. You are the average of the five people you spend your time with. And with this podcast, you can surround yourself with the best in the industry. That's all for today. Love you all. Until next time. Peace out.